thought that was a fun way to introduce the week that we are embarking upon this week known as Holy Week. Glad you're here with us today at Center Point. We encourage you to use your bulletin inside your bulletin as your connection card. Fill that out and place that in the offering basket when we receive our offering here in a little bit. You want to open up your Bibles. If you have a Bible, open up the book of Matthew. Uh, today we're going to be reading uh, some sections of Scripture. I'm encourage you, if you have it on your phone, to open up on your phone. If you don't have a Bible app, now would be a great time to download one. You version is a great Bible app if you need it. Uh, and so I want to make sure everyone has scriptures that are opened up before them today. Today is known as that Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, the Sunday before the crucifixion of Jesus. This is known as, as Holy Week. And what are we going to draw our minds to? What, what are we going to focus on? It's so easy in, in Christianity, it's so easy to have the holiday season come around, have the Easter event come around, or have Christmas come around, and for us to just walk through ho-hum, ho-hum, and do the same thing again and again and again and go, ah, I've heard it before. Okay, Easter's coming, I know, Good Friday, that's coming, that's the day he dies, and then it's Sunday and the day he rises, and we get a little good feelings every now and then, but then we move on past that. Church, I want to ask you this week to draw into the Scriptures, to draw into God, to, to, to ask God, God, speak to me new, speak to me fresh. For some, maybe the question is, Lord, just speak to me because I haven't been hearing you lately. Or God, I'm not sure who you are, but this is a great week for those who are in Christ or not in Christ to take a step with Christ. I mean, as some of you who are not maybe in Christ yet, you're kind of discovering, what a great week to dive into the scriptures and go, okay, who is this Jesus that people talked about that he laid down his life for us and he died on a cross and he rose again? Who is he? What a great week to investigate that truth. And for those who are in Christ, what a great week to say, renew me, God. Renew my passion, renew my heart, renew my desire, renew who I am in you. So I ask you to step back for a moment, 520 years before Jesus was born, before Christ was even born, let's see what happened with Prophet Zechariah, as the video referred to, and what he had to say about this day. So before Jesus was born, one of the prophets then proclaims, says, this is going to happen. In Zechariah 9.9, it says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey. Some 500 years before Jesus, the prophet says, this is what's going to happen. And what is remarkable is that Jesus comes and fulfills that, and this is just one of the hundreds of prophecies, but fulfills it to a T of what Zechariah prophesies about. The story of the triumphal entry is one of the few instances in life of Jesus which appear in all four gospel accounts. We see it in Matthew, we see it in Mark, we see it in Luke, and we see it in the book of John. I want to do something a little bit different today. I want us just to draw in and hear the scriptures. I want us to learn from all four gospel writers what they had to say about this event in history. And so I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. 
not going to be on the screen because to keep up the screen with all the scripture and lots of them, a little bit overwhelming. I also think it's just good to have your Bibles and open them and read them. And as you go through, maybe you, you mark something or you highlight something yourself. This is actually a practice that I do in my quiet time sometimes in my time with God. If I know how wow, that accounts in a couple of the Gospels, I go and find each one in every Gospel and I read it with a simple question. God, speak to me as I read the Scriptures. So let's just ask Him to do that with us today. Father God, <clears throat> as we open up Your Scriptures, Your guidebook, Your words to us, we just ask that You speak to us. Father, each and every person that's in this room today is here to hear from you, and we ask that your Spirit will speak to us as we read your words, and as we draw in, as we focus in this holy week, this triumphal entry that leads us to the end of the week of you giving your life and the beginning of next week when you rise again. Lord, speak to us as we begin this journey through your scriptures. Look at Matthew 21 with me, beginning in verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them. And Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? They're wondering, who's this person riding on a donkey? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and, and, he, headed, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Do you hear what the children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you not read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Amazing to me just in that account from Matthew. um, Two things that just really draw in. Go and get this donkey, this colt, that uh, has never been ridden, as we're going to see here. No one's ever been on this one before. And he knows where it's going to be at. And the, and the disciples go. There's, there's no debate from the disciples. You want me to go? You sure? Wait a minute. You want me to go and take someone's donkey and just tell them that the Lord needs it? And you think they're going to respond? Come on, Jesus. How often do we debate? 
when the Lord says, I want you to go. I want you to do. I'm sending you here. We go, whoa, not me. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough knowledge. I'm not sure if I'm free. Lord, you sure you're sending me to do that? We go through the debate and the argument with the Lord. And you know who doesn't debate and argue with the Lord? The children. He draws in that right at the very end. He says, listen, the children will sing praises. Their lips are ordained to praise. But somehow in adulthood, sometime when we get, I don't know what age it is, 10, 12, 14 years old, we start doubting God and we start having our own pride rise up and we start just doing things on our own and not listening to God. But the children, they're like, oh yeah, Jesus, I'll, I'll jump off a mountain for Jesus. And he draws in, he tells them, here's your job, go do it. And he draws in and says, now look at the children and what they do. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. As we read these different gospel accounts, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote at different times. Four different gospel writers who come up with basically the exact same story. Their wording's a little bit different from one account to another. But four different writers, four different times, all telling us the same thing. And I always assume that if the gospel or the story is recorded in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then there's great importance that the Lord wanted us to hear in, this, in these texts. Mark chapter 11, verse 1, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it and he'll send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the street, tied, it to, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? I'm sure they're wondering, well, you're stealing? Why are you taking that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Hosanna. Interesting, that word is used in the book of Matthew, and now it's used here by the gospel writer Mark, Hosanna, which that word means save. They had the recognition, and they knew that he was coming to save, and so they're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna, save, saviors, the one who has come to save. And they focus in on that. Hosanna in the highest, the savior of saviors, basically. The one who, who's, who's the best of the best, the greatest of the greatest. He's here to save. And they see that as he rides on a lonely donkey. A lowly donkey that would have never been what a king rode in on. The king would have rode in on a white horse, but he chooses to come on a donkey. Turn over to Luke 19. I like Dr. Luke because he just brings a little bit different perspective as he thinks about some of the details because that's what physicians would do. 
Luke 19, verse 28 is where I want to begin. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And Brian had just told us just a few minutes ago, it was just a few, uh, about a week after the raising of, of Lazarus. And so all the people that had witnessed that would have been witnessing this too. And they had seen the miracles. And so then they are here and it says they joyfully praise God. Joyfully. Let me just draw on that word for you, with you for a moment. What's your praise of God been like lately? What's your walk with God been like lately? Has it been just ho-hum? Has it been excited and joyful? Has it been down and discouraged? What's, what's your, your walk, your, your, your everyday walk with God? Do you wake up with a joyful heart going, man, I am so glad that I am a, a, a child of God. Do you wake up and go, man, today's going to be a great day because God is on my side. Or do you wake up with the, oh my goodness, it's Monday morning. Oh, the day is going to be so horrible. Oh, it's wet and it's rainy and it's cold and it's snowy. And oh, oh, You know, sometimes we Christians need to tell our face about the joy that's inside our heart. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we live in a world that is ho-hum. We live in a world that is down and depressed. We live in a world that negativity is okay. We live in a world of complaining and whining and poor me. We have every reason, church, to be joyful. We have every reason to wake up every single day and tackle this world with a joyful heart because the King of kings and the Lord of lords went to the cross for you and me. And yeah, maybe, maybe we weren't there to see Lazarus raised from the dead. We weren't there to see the blind all of a sudden be able to see. We weren't there to be able to see the lame that can all of a sudden walk. We weren't there to see the leper who was walking through the streets and no one interacting or touching and people yelling, lepers coming, get away. We weren't there when Jesus healed his skin. We didn't see that, but you've seen the Lord's work in your life. If you're not a believer in Jesus, maybe you haven't seen that yet. We pray that you would. We'd love to help you see the Lord's work in your life. But why were they joyful? Because they saw the work of the Lord. When's the last time you just stopped and said, Lord, open my eyes to see the good things around me that you are doing. And when we do that, even in the midst of trial and difficulties and hardships, we can walk through this, this world 
just as the disciples just joyfully to praise God. What do they praise him? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, they're saying, the teacher saying, Tell your disciples to shut their mouths. Tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell your disciples they're not allowed to proclaim this anymore. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Are we guilty, church, of being too quiet about our praise of Jesus? Are we guilty of hearing the fear of this world? That's what was going on there. The world, the, the ones who were controlling the culture were saying, tell them to shut their mouth. Tell them not to speak the name of Jesus. And we have the same thing going on today. Don't you dare speak up Jesus in a school place. Oh, let's take prayer out of the school. Oh, don't you speak Jesus in the workplace. Don't you speak Jesus on a university campus. Don't you speak Jesus because your government will come after you. We're being told that all the time. We're being told, shut your mouth about Jesus. And Jesus told them, I can't tell them to do that because if they do, then the rocks will cry out. In other words, Jesus will be proclaimed in some way in this world. He will be proclaimed. question is, is it going to be you and us, you and I, or is it going to be the rock? Is it going to be the grass? Is it going to be the trees? This holy week, it's, it's worth it to ask ourselves the question, have I've been too quiet about my faith. Or do I praise him joyfully? Am I willing to share my faith and proclaim it and make it known? Or am I listening to the voices that says, no, rebuke them. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them not to speak of Jesus. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls, they will leave no one stone on, on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Look at verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city He wept over it. Why? Why would he weep over a city? He saw a city that was broken. He saw a city that was following the ways of the world. He saw a city that needed God. He saw a city that lacked peace. He saw a city that needed to be rescued. Let me just ask you, church. When's the last time you wept over the sins of this world? 
When's the last time you wept over sin in your own life? When's the last time you wept over brokenness that you see around you? When's the last time you wept for a friend that is struggling because they don't know Jesus and they're not walking with Jesus? When's the last time you wept for the people that we have on these stakes around this room? We didn't start this just to have a little activity. We started it to hopefully turn some hearts and minds towards praying for people who need to know Jesus. When's the last time you thought about these stakes? Or when's the last time you took an invite card and said, well, that's not just a preacher praying in games. He really cares about our city. When's the last time you cried and you wept over people who needed to know Jesus? Again, church, I'm just afraid that we, the church, we're just guilty of just kind of cruise control through life. Just kind of cruise control through life. Our city, the city of Lexington, our state, the state of Kentucky, our country, the United States of America, needs some Christians who will start weeping over a nation that needs Jesus. And I read that and it just draws my heart that Jesus did what he did because his heart was so moved for people who needed a Savior. And he wept over him. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. <clears throat> John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! There it is again. Savior. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not, did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. I love it. No matter what they did to try to get people to shut their mouth, people spoke louder. People didn't shut up. People kept talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees are like, we've tried to thwart this and stop it, but the whole world is going after him. It's an amazing account as you look at what happens in Scripture with Jesus in this setting. And you stop and look at it, and there are so many things to learn in there. We've We've drawn in on a few of them, but I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> Jesus did not force himself in anybody's life. He came in peace. So how do you know that? Well, a king that would come into an area would normally come riding on a white horse. And Jesus chose a lowly donkey. In other words, coming, I come in peace. 
And what he did there was actually very, very normal as he went in and the people were laying their cloaks before him and laying the palm branches down was how they treated kings. And they knew he was the king of kings. If you go back to 2 Kings, when Jehu is anointed king, here's what it says. It says, they quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare, bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. That's in the Old Testament when they're anointing Jehu as king. And so they're doing the exact same thing for Jesus. They see him coming in, they lay down the cloaks, they lay down the palm branches, and they're shouting, Hosanna, the king of kings. But what were they thinking? Because it wasn't just a few days later and they turned and they started shouting, crucify him. They were thinking he was the savior who was going to rescue them against uh, and lead the revolt against Rome because they were under oppression. There were many who thought that they, that they did not believe in Christ as Savior, nonetheless they hoped perhaps that he would, he would be a great uh, temporary leader to, to lead them out of bondage and lead them out of a difficult situation. These are the ones who hailed him as king with their many hosannas, recognizing that he's the son of David who came in the name of the Lord. And then he failed their expectations that he's the one who's going to lead them. And we refuse to lead them in a massive result against the Roman occupiers. The crowds quickly turned on him, quickly turned and went from praising him as Savior to now let's crucify him and put him on the cross. You know, sometimes we're guilty of that. Sometimes we come to Jesus, we surrender our lives to Jesus, we're like, oh, he's great, he's the Savior of all, and we get baptized and give our life to him, and sometime down the road, we just kind of say, well, he's not doing for me what I want him to do. I want him to fix my marriage. I want him to heal me from this disease I've been dealing with. I want him to fix all this stuff in my life, and that's what I thought he would do, and he's not doing that, and what do we do? We, we kind of turn our back on him. Where are you at this Easter season, this holy week? Are you joyfully praising the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Is, is, is your walk with Jesus still a walk of joy? What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing in your walk with Jesus? Are you letting just the children lead the example? Are the rocks going to cry out or are you going to cry out? See, we draw into the Easter season, and sometimes we just think about uh, this one week. And sometimes we'll get a little more vocal during this week, but then it can, it can wane. The story of the triumphal entry is, is one of contrast. And I believe that's one of contrast that has applications for us in the year 2018. It's a story of a king who came as a lowly servant on a donkey, not a prancing steed, not, not in royal robes, but on clothes of the poor and humility. Jesus comes not to conquer by force as earthly kings, but by love and grace and mercy and sacrifice. There's a huge contrast there. He's, he is not a kingdom of armies and splendor, but of lowliness and servanthood. It's in that week when we see him wash the disciples' feet. He conquers not nations, but he conquers hearts and minds. He doesn't come to battle with fists and spear and sword, but he comes to win the hearts of men and women. 
His message is one of peace with God, and it's not a temporal peace, it's an eternal peace that lasts and will go on forever and, and ever. If Jesus had made a triumphal entry in our hearts, then he reigns there in peace and love. And we should joyfully praise him, joyfully walk with him. As his followers, those are the qualities that we exhibit in this world. We should exhibit grace. We should exhibit peace. We should exhibit mercy. We should exhibit love. We should exhibit joy. We should exhibit patience. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus this world needs to know about. That's the Jesus that we worship this week in this holy week. Church, I want to encourage you. This week, make it a high priority to be in the scriptures. I've got you started on a text. You can continue in each of those Gospels. You continue reading about that last week and catch all the events of the week leading up to the, the death, the burial, and then the resurrection. Come Friday night as we gather to remember and focus in on the death. Come next Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. But church, I just want to encourage you, walk in this week joyfully. Walk in this week joyfully. Carry the joy of Christ in your workplace. Carry the joy of Christ into your activities you're involved in. Carry the joy of Christ with you as we go about living in this world. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, this triumphal entry day when we, we draw in and we focus on you entering in. Entering in Jerusalem, the day when everyone's praising you, Hosanna, giving praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, today we praise you. Lord, may we have hearts of joyfulness. May we, Lord, as we focus on the, the death, the burial, and resurrection this week, and even this morning in this time of communion, may we never forget, may we never forget your peace, your joy, your sacrifice. Lord, thank you that you come to rescue the hearts and minds of people. Father, that what we learn as, as a child, that John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we learned that verse as a child, but it rings so true this week as we focus in on your life. Lord, would you reign in our hearts? Would you reign in our minds? Today, Lord, we come and we receive, off, we receive this, uh, this time of communion. We focus in, Lord, right now with these emblems, these juice and the cracker. Lord, we partake of those and we remember your body that's given in the bread. We remember your blood that is shed. And Lord, we remember with a heart of thankfulness, we just say, thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.